Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Romans. Today is episode 521. Look at Romans chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Let's read our passage. So what advantage does the Jew have? Or what is the benefit of circumcision? Considerable in every way. First, they were entrusted with the very words of God. What then, if some were unfaithful, will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Absolutely not. Let God be true, even though everyone is a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and triumph when you judge. But if our unrighteousness highlights God's righteousness, what are we to say? I'm using a human argument. Is God unrighteous to inflict wrath? Absolutely not. Otherwise, how will God judge the world? But if by my lie, God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I also still being judged as a sinner? And why not say, as some people slanderously claim we say, let us do what is evil so that good may come. Their condemnation is deserved. This is Paul's letter to the church in Rome. He sent this letter to the church in Rome to prepare for his eventual visit there. He intends to visit Rome after he gets to Jerusalem with the collection for the poor people in the church in Jerusalem. But it's not going to go that way, but he still tends to go to Rome. So let's dive into it. We're in this section where Paul is addressing the universal responsibility of people for their sins before God. Saying that everyone is a sinner and guilty before God. This is the beginning of the gospel is our condition, sinner, guilty before God, and in need of forgiveness of sin. We've been making that case, and he's been really hammering the issue of the Jews, that the Jews are not in a special case to where they will not be judged by God. That was a popular understanding of your average Jewish person, is that we're in this covenant relationship with God. We have the law of Moses. We won't be judged like other people will be judged. And Paul's arguing, no, the Jewish people are in the same condition as the non-Jewish people. Everyone will be judged because of sin. And he just made the case that the two things that the Jews really hung their hats on, having the law of Moses and circumcision, and Paul was arguing, neither one of those exempts you from God's judgment. So now he picks it up here in chapter 3. Verse 1. So what advantage does the Jew have? Or what is the benefit of circumcision? So he's just argued that you're not exempt from God's judgment for being a Jew if you have the law or if you're circumcised. And now he says, so, so what advantage is there? Just based on his previous argument, he said, well, obviously no advantage. And he's argued there's no advantage as far as judgment goes that you are not exempt from God's judgment for being a Jew. So he answers the question, what is the advantage to being a Jew? He says in verse 2, considerable in every way. First, they were entrusted with the very words of God. I just take that. You just have to say, wow, to be entrusted with the words of God, that is a big deal. And that is the advantage of being a Jew, is they know who God is. They know about the Word of God. They already believe the Old Testament, the Word of God. 
That's one of the reasons that Paul, in his travels, the first thing he would do when he reached a town was go to the synagogue or the place where the Jews met and share the gospel with the Jews because they were already primed to respond to the gospel. They already understood who God is. They already understood the nature of sin. They understood the nature of forgiveness, of sacrifice. And so they were already set up to receive and respond to the gospel. So that's the advantage to being a Jew. Now, he didn't answer the question, what's the benefit of circumcision? Because he just argued, none. And so it's not that the act of circumcision gave any kind of benefit. It was just the nature of being a Jew, of being part of the covenant community, which circumcision was the mark of being in the covenant community. So it's not that circumcision really provided any value. It was being a Jew did. And even that, not carrying the label, but being the people who knew the word of God, being the people that God had brought into that relationship with himself and revealed himself to. So there's no exemption from God's judgment. There was a but the advantage, though, to know what being a sinner is and the necessity of forgiveness. So that's the advantage to being a Jew. He goes on in verse 3. He's making this argument. What then, if some were unfaithful, will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? And so as he's asking here is, okay, the Jews were given the word of God. The Jews know who God is. The Jews have the law. The Jews have this special standing with God. But overall, as a group, they were really not very faithful. Does that nullify what God does? And of course, his answer in verse 4 is absolutely not. Let God be true. Now that's kind of an Old Testament phrase. Let God mean be true means let God be reliable or let what God says be counted on. He's not really talking true or false so much, but just that what God said is true. Therefore, God will do based on what God has said. So absolutely not. Let God be true, even though everyone is a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and triumph when you judge. So God will be faithful to do what God has said that God is going to do, regardless of what people say. People may be liars, but God is not. God is reliable. Then he says, as is written, he's quoting here from Psalm 51, verse 4. Psalm 51 is a psalm by David after his sin with Bathsheba, as he confesses his sin before God. And so he's talking about being judged by God, that God's judgments are true and reliable. So God is justified and appropriate in his judgment. In verse 5. But if our unrighteousness highlights God's righteousness, what are we to say? I'm using a human argument. Is God unrighteous to inflict wrath? There's some debate here. Who is us here? He says, but if our unrighteousness, who does he mean? Our. Is he speaking as a Jew here, or is he speaking of everyone? I think he's speaking of everyone. It links back to verse 4, where he said, let God be true, even though everyone is a liar. I think he's gone beyond just the Jews here, but everyone. Yeah, all people lie. And even though people lie, 
God doesn't. God is faithful. So if our unrighteousness, I think it means everyone, if our unrighteousness highlights God's righteousness, what are we to say? What he's saying here is, even though we sin and are liars and are unrighteous, that just shows God's righteousness, God's glory here. Is God unrighteous to inflict wrath? And he says, I'm using a human argument. It's hard to really understand exactly what he means by that. I think he just means the idea of questioning God. The question is, God unrighteous to inflict wrath? Well, who would dare say that other than somebody who's far from God and question God's righteousness? So the human argument is the, the very act of questioning God's righteousness. So is God unrighteous to afflict wrath? Verse 6, absolutely not. Otherwise, how will God judge the world? So whether or not people are righteous, whether or not people are reliable, whether or not people are true, God is righteous, and God is righteous in judging the world. God is righteous in judging people. Now verse 7, but if by my lie God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I also still being judged as a sinner? Another question here, who, who is me here, my lie? I think this is the imaginary objector to Paul's arguments, who Paul's basically arguing against. You know, the average person now would say, well, wait a minute. If my unfaithfulness reveals God's glory, isn't that a good thing? So how could I be judged guilty by my very unrighteousness revealing the glory of God? You know, why am I still a sinner being judged now? And Paul then amplifies that in verse 8. Well, why not say as some people slanderously claim we say, let us do what is evil so that good may come. That is, if my sin shows God's glory in his judgment, then would not more sin reveal more glory from God? In another place in what Paul's letters, he, he talks about, well, some people say since Forgiveness is a good thing. Let's sin more so there's more forgiveness. He says, no, that's not the way it works. And so here he answers that their condemnation is deserved. That is, their condemnation being judged by God for their sin. It may reveal more glory for God, but their condemnation by God is deserved. So through this, he's taken the step from just everyone's a sinner, but now everyone's condemnation is deserved. And he's jumping from the section where he was just talking about the, the Jews have these two things that they really can't hang their hat on of the law and circumcision and say that they're exempt from God's judgment. No, they're not exempt from God's judgment. And now he's wrapping everyone in this. Everyone is under God's condemnation. Everyone's under God's judgment. Everyone is judged because everyone is a sinner. And God is righteous in his judgment of people's sin. This is a section that even people struggle with today, the idea of God's judgment. They think, well, Old Testament God, yeah, he was pretty wrathful and judgmental, but New Testament God, he's warm and cuddly. And he wouldn't really judge me because of my sin. Paul's saying, well, yeah, yeah, God does judge because of sin. 
God is righteous in his judgment of people's sin. And people's sin even show his righteousness and give him glory for his judgment. So it's going to continue this argument about the universal responsibility of people in their sinfulness before God. Then he's going to get to the solution. The solution being justification by faith. Justification is the solution for this universal situation of people being sinners before a holy God. Because the only way to fix that is to be forgiven of sin, which is justification, being declared no longer guilty sinner, but innocent in the eyes of God. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Romans.